Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I thought that I had to be dependent mainly on a white man to discover me or to pay me every two weeks. And so for me, the biggest epiphany I had was, which sounds so stupid in hindsight, so simple, I mean, was I could truly come up with an idea and provide for myself. I do not have to be dependent on anyone or anything outside of me, including an employer. And to me, that was like radical thinking. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. You're listening to episode 101, Why You Deserve to Build Wealth, with Linda Garcia, founder and creator of In Loose We Trust. Linda Garcia is a former TV and film marketing executive who parted ways with the industry after 17 years to create a podcast called Let There Be Loose. In 2019, she found her life's purpose to heal generational wounds in the Latinx community specifically tied to build wealth from a unique spiritual perspective. 
During the summer of 2020, she launched her first beginner stock market course, creating a Latinx investor community on Patreon known as In Lose We Trust. Garcia graduated from Northwood University with a double major in marketing and international business. And you can find out more about Linda and her platform at In Lose We Trust on Instagram and Patreon. In this episode, we're going to talk about the mental blocks that we have to overcome in order to start being wealth builders. In order for us to move ourselves forward and lift ourselves out of the cycle of struggle and poverty, we must first believe that we are deserving and worthy of building wealth. So we're going to talk to Linda about how we can start channeling that energy so we can all get the bag. Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Linda, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited as well. So I've been a fan of your work for a long time, and I feel like you are kind of one of these like working on the sidelines type of creators where you're not about showing up and doing the most. You're just really about the impact. And so I appreciate the fact that like, you know what actually matters and you operate in that manner and it shows. So thank you for being truly authentic in this space that I feel like has become sort of a competition of like, who's the best, who's the smartest, and you're not doing that. (laughs) Thank you so much for saying that because I feel like, man, I'm really not doing much. (laughs) I feel like I'm not showing up. I'm not, you know, as present, as active as I can be. And sometimes we compare ourselves, right? So we're like, Should I be doing more? Should I be doing more? But I only have space for so much and I have to really honor myself first. And sometimes for me, especially mental health is a big thing. It's just not healthy for me mentally. And I have to honor that. I can't try and be where I'm not called to be. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it just speaks to the fact that like, you know, with the limited amount of energy and space that you have, like you're going to dedicate it to making a huge impact. And so you've been doing that through teaching folks from marginalized communities about investing, which we're going to dive into about this for this episode. But first, let's start off with like a intro, like who is Linda Garcia? Yeah, so I am a creative at heart. I went to school for marketing and international business. I started producing and directing local television commercials in Dallas, Texas. I'm originally from California, moved back out there to like pursue something bigger than 30 seconds on local TV. I really wanted to break into film. I got to do that. I worked for Lionsgate and I worked for Netflix. I was 
like one of the launching contributors to Pantelion, which is one of the first major Hollywood Latino movie studios, and just always trying to impact the Latino community. Like that's always my commercials when I was producing those, they were in Spanish. That's always been like the thing for me is just pushing out content for our community. And so, you know, I read more into your backstory and it's definitely not a linear journey because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so you're here in Hollywood, you're like making content for the Latinx community and now you're teaching about investing. So walk me through kind of where that started for you. Yeah. So I was horrible with money. Like most of us in our community, we don't grow up with financial literacy. Our parents teach us to work really hard. They demonstrated multiple jobs. So that to me equated more money. Like if you wanted to get more money, you had to have multiple jobs. So I watched myself do that for many years, up to four jobs at one point. I really started to focus in, as I mentioned, on Hollywood. I started this job at Netflix. And I had a white colleague that he would constantly come to my desk and is like, have you started buying stock? And I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, we don't, this isn't like, bruh, go back. Is this your your thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, did you see my last name? Like, you know, it just it wasn't for me. And I was so intimidated and he was so consistent. And like, looking back, I always thank him because I'm like, he was like this angel. Like I was praying to get healthy with money, to get right with money. And like, here were my answers coming. And I was like, get out of here, get away. And he was just so consistent with it. As I mentioned, I was awful with money, a lot of trauma, a lot of money wounds. And finally, after about five to six months, I decide to take this man's advice. He starts showing me his portfolio and I decide that I'm going to commit to $200 a month consistently. And to me, that was huge. Mind you, at the time, I had broken into six figures. But because prior to that six-figure job, I was making $13 an hour. So making six figures was a game changer for me. And I wanted to hold on to every single, all my coins. It wasn't like I was a big spender. It was just like, I'm not good with money and I can't let this money go. I didn't even contribute to my 401k. Like that's how scarcity mindset I was in where I just needed all of my coins. So I did $200 a month consistently for an entire year. I saw the growth of that and was mind blown. And I'm like, I'm going to double down on this. I doubled down to $400 a month the following year. And then shortly after that, I got let go from Netflix and I found myself pregnant and my partner got let go from his job two weeks after that. Like everything just happened to us. We downsized. We were just really responsible. We had money in the bank. So we were good. But through this journey, I was under a lot of pressure being pregnant and not really being able to find a job, mainly because I didn't want to go back to corporate America. I was doing hustle, hustle, hustle. And I didn't touch that money. Never. I never thought I'm going to reach into the stock market. This is an emergency time. This is when I use it. I didn't. And so what happened is that I started to amass a lot of money. I went from $7,000 to over $400,000. And yeah, it was wait, wait, crazy. Wait. And how much time period was this? So I started investing at the beginning of 2013, those $200. Yeah. And then by 2014, it was the $400. So during the pandemic, I actually hit over $500,000 
with that investment because yeah, it truly was. And here was the thing. This is when I really started to get vocal about money. One, because I was so terrible at it. But when the pandemic hit, I had 99 problems. And can I tell you that money wasn't one? Oh, wow. It just wasn't. It just really, truly wasn't. And it was because I had been so consistent with the investments because I hadn't dipped into them when I needed, you know, when I thought I needed to. And I felt guilty because I knew like there's such a huge disparity in our communities. And here I am. And money isn't one of my concerns. My concerns is, oh my gosh, what if we get the virus? I need to sanitize everything. Where's the toilet paper? Those things, you know? And so that's when I realized I need to share how I got here. Maybe I can't, this was my way of contributing. You know, we were all trying to help. Everyone was trying to help. And I was like, this is my way is maybe it's not going to help for this crisis, but there will be a next global crisis. And at least at that point, I will have contributed to a level of education that is from my perspective, like not a professional or anything like that. So sorry, that that was really long-winded, but that's how I got here. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So we have so much to dive into. So let's take a step back, right? Because you mentioned that you felt for a very long time that you were terrible with money. And so one of the things that I love to find out about all the guests that come out on the podcast, because I feel like it's our way of connecting to each other and realizing that we have so much more in common than we think we do is our money stories. So I'd love for you to kind of tell us what you learned or didn't learn about money growing up and how that fed into that narrative of you not being good with money. Like, how did that manifest itself? I definitely felt undeserving of it anytime. And I I was able to identify that pattern with myself because anytime I obtained money more so in my 20s, I had to spend it immediately. So into my early 30s, late 20s, I kind of caught on to that pattern like, okay, I'm not able to save. So I had to like focus my energy into being able to save. And even though I was able to save, it was still I'm undeserving. For me, that was my biggest crutch was like, I don't deserve to have money. I felt a lot of guilt anytime I did have money. I mean, we even see that pattern repeat itself during the pandemic, right? Where it came, that, came, that story came back up. So I carry a lot of guilt on that, mainly because my mom talks about how she only had $7 that needed to last us for the entire month. My father was an alcoholic. So there was a constant stress over money. And so I was also replicating that stress for myself. So I was enabling this experience of not being able to achieve it because I didn't believe. And then also finding a way to make it disappear so that I could stress about it and fall into that cyclical pattern. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I think that keeps so many of us from making progress, not only with our money, but just like life in general. A lot of these negative self-talk that we tend to have about what we're capable of. So what's your advice for people who are in that place right now where they're just like, you know, I just feel like I cannot get my shit together. Like this is just too much. What's your take on that? So I think for me, one of the first things that I had to discover was that I had a dependency on someone else providing for me. 
That dependency for me was my employer. So I didn't understand fully that I had the power to generate an idea that could produce a check that I could sign, whether it was my LLC signing it over to myself or my LLC signing it over to other employees. I thought that I had to be dependent mainly on a white man to discover me or to pay me every two weeks. And so for me, the biggest epiphany I had was, which sounds so stupid in hindsight, so simple, I mean, was I could truly come up with an idea and provide for myself. I do not have to be dependent on anyone or anything outside of me, including an employer. And to me, that was like radical thinking, you know, like, what do you mean? Especially working in tech and working in, in the film industry. So that to me is my biggest advice is to go within and understand that you can find your supply internally. Mm, That is so powerful. And I think that narrative is so pervasive about this idea that like we need to depend on other people because we don't have a lot of examples of entrepreneurship in a normal sense, like in our communities, right? So I always say like, who are the normal millionaires in the Latinx community? Like the people next door, not the J-Lo's and like, you know, the movie stars of the world, but like, who are the normal people like the Warren Buffett's that are like the moguls and shit, but like are not famous in that sense. Right. And it's just like, I can't, I can't come up with anything. Like, I don't have any millionaires in my family. My husband doesn't have any millionaires in his family. I'm just like, this is why we feel like this. This is why we have these situations of like wealth guilt, because it's just like, who the fuck are we to have this money? There's nobody around us that has this money. So this is just a fluke. There's no way that this is sustainable. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of this. Well, that's for them. This is not for me because it's just not represented. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I agree with you 1000%. I'm constantly seeking and I've spent what I feel is my entire adult life seeking. And where is that role model? Where is that person? Like you said, it's not the JLo's that I'm looking for. It is truly the Warren Buffett's. It's the folks that are, I mean, amassing, amassing great wealth. And I came to this place where I thought, What if it's me? What if it's you? What if it's us? What if in 15, 20 years from now, we are sitting on multi-millions trying to get to billions? Maybe not trying, but inevitably we'll get there. What if it is us? And I believe it is. Like straight Mm. up, I believe with all my heart it is. I can see it. I feel it. I can see it. I see the meetings. I see the dinners. I see the exchange and important information. I just see it. It's us. That is powerful as hell. And so I am going to harness that same energy because I think you're absolutely right. There is a change among us right now. There is like this wave of awareness, I think, that is really taking hold of our community. And so this is the first step, right? We have to know that these things are possible for us so then we can start making really deliberate actions. So I want to talk about your $400,000 nest egg that you were able to build up over this time. So what type of investor are you? Are you an index investor? Are you an individual stock investor? Do you do both? And can you kind of talk us through the strategy of how you decided what the best approach for you was? Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. For me personally, I am an individual stock investor. I will invest if I do anything that is index type. The, the furthest I'll go is an ETF. And mainly just because... I came from a tech background working at Netflix. I worked at a startup, that, that whole vibe. And that's just what I know. That's the background that I have. And so for me, I understood that if I found a tech company that would carry us into the future, like this was it. This is how you turn $7,000 into over $400,000. And it's not easy but it is simple. And I think sometimes we make it so much more harder than it is. And mainly because we have the biggest emotional component tied to money, which is fear. So that's my jam. I'm a stock picker. And yeah, that's it. That's the one. Okay. So I think that is something that a lot of people want to do, but a lot of people are scared because, you know, they think I have to be able to pick the right stock, quote unquote. And then if I don't, then I'm going to lose everything. So how do you help your clients work through those fears? Yeah. So we actually go through the emotional components of everything. And we also go through the money wounds where we have our clients self-reflect on their personal money wounds. We also tackle a topic that I think is very important aside from the emotions, which I'll get to in a little bit, which is the, the scarcity mindset that is rooted in, as I mentioned, fear, but also the hate towards wealth the hating of wealth. So this mm. one is a very important component. If you can't get over that part, 
you're not ready to start investing. So it's like, this is the part you have to get over first, that money is not evil and that not everyone that amasses wealth is greedy. Are there greedy, wealthy people? Hell yes, there are. Are there greedy, poor people? Hell yes, there are. Let's talk about it because here's what I feel is that within scarcity mindset, there is a level of greed that is so freaking loud that I'm like, don't you guys see this greed? We hold on so tight to $1 for the life of it. Like our, our, our whole livelihood is inside this $1. That's how attached we are to money. So doesn't that expose a level of greed? And that level of greed can keep you not just in the stock market, but it can also keep you out of the stock market. So I think navigating it from that perspective, which I felt was unique to to my perspective coming from someone that was in scarcity mindset that took six months for my colleague after showing his portfolio to convince that this is something I needed to do. Um, so that's one part. And then we go into the emotional components, the three big ones, which for me is fear, uh, euphoria. And um, there's a third one that I'm losing in my head, but fear, euphoria, and greed, and greed, greed. So those three emotions we tackle directly and understand when those emotions come up. Because the beauty about working with money, and I know you know this, is that it's not just about the investing part. It's the part where you get to learn about your personal character. You get to call yourself out. Oh my God, that is so true. It's like such an emotional like experience amassing wealth. And I feel like I wasn't a hundred percent prepared for like, especially the things like the guilt coming up, right. Of just like understanding that I am doing something that is going to change my life. And that is going to make my life look so different from those of my ancestors. And like, who the fuck did I think I was to be doing this? So for somebody who is like in my position where maybe you are the first investor in your family, maybe you are the first like person with a positive net worth, maybe you're the first person with wealth that is going to be able to be transferred to the next generation. Like, how do we get past this sense of guilt? Because I feel like that can almost stifle our, our progress and make us be like, okay, maybe I just shouldn't do this. And so that'll stop your progress. I don't know that it ever goes away just because it hasn't fully gone away from me. It's like peeling back layers. I get over it in a certain parameter or in a certain level. Like I'm at a certain stage where I get over it. Like, okay, it's okay that I have this money during the pandemic. It is okay. Let me put my energy on what I can do to help, what I can do to make this change. And then I create this course and it starts selling out and does really well. And then it's this whole new level of guilt. So I think I almost feel like what comes to my head all the time is the Mario Brothers game on Nintendo. And we're always trying to save the queen, except we're Mario and the queen. Um, so it's always like, yes, got through this level of guilt. Now it's the next one. <laughs> I don't know that we'll get through it. I think it's just having compassion for ourselves and knowing that this is a process and that it's not going to happen overnight because we've carried it for our ancestors for generations and generations. So the good thing is that we're at least observing it and moving through it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the limiting beliefs that we have around investing also apply to what you were talking about before when it comes to entrepreneurship, right? So you've been down both of those paths at this point. And I know for me, one of the biggest obstacles that I had to face was this idea of like not 
feeling worthy of charging my worth for my services, for the things that I create. Did you have the same experience and how did you manage that? Hell yes, I did. And thank you so much for your post over the weekend. It really resonated with me where you address this. Yeah. Yes. And I still do. It doesn't, It do, again, it doesn't go away, but I'm getting more comfortable, like spreading my elbows out and sometimes pushing my hands out, like out of my space. And I think it's understanding for me that there is an opportunity that we are offering to our communities. That opportunity is to step into your higher self. And that opportunity is an exchange in energy. And that exchange in energy for you requires that you get compensated for your level of expertise and the time that you've put into this game. And so I think once we like fully comprehend that, we can step into that space further. And then it's like, oh, shoot, that was super cheap. Like, fuck, I, I should have charged more for that. You know, we learn, we start to get to the next level and the next level and et cetera. But yeah, it's something that I still struggle with, you know, especially if someone DMs me with like a story and energy behind it. And it's like, look, it doesn't matter. Even if I were to give you this course for free, I would be doing a disservice to you because I wouldn't be giving you the opportunity for you to step into your higher self. What you're asking me to do is to come down to your energetic level. And that's not fair to me because I already worked really hard. I saved the princess four times. I'm up here on level four. I can't go back down to level one. So, but I'm giving you the opportunity to reach for level four. It might not be this week. It might not be next year. And maybe it's in a couple of years and that's okay. That's your journey. I can't take on everyone else's journey. And it, it's easy for us to do, especially as Latinos, because we've been taught that we have to take care of everyone else except for us. Oh my gosh. Super powerful, y'all. I hope you replay that because there was a whole word in there. Okay. All right. So let's go back to investing, right? So you mentioned that you are an individual stock investor. So does that mean that you don't invest in workplace retirement accounts or do you have like a solo 401k or something through your own business? Because obviously that's kind of the way that a lot of us start to invest, even though we don't realize it. And that's not a place where we can do the individual stock investing. So what's your take on those types of accounts? Should we even be paying attention to them? I think absolutely 1000%. If you remember when I told you that I worked at Netflix, I wasn't even investing in my 401k. Like I didn't even do that. And I should have. I started just investing in the stock itself. And so I think that's why I kind of have like almost this backwards way of investing where normally someone would start with their 401k, et cetera. I have the Roth. I have the traditional that I invest into annually. We're right now we're looking at the HSA so that I can lower my income and max that out, but not use it for the way it's typically intended just to use it so that I can buy more individual stocks. I think that as long as you're investing, however you're participating in the market, there's no right or wrong answer. Everything is tailor-made to what makes you feel good, where you're comfortable. And so, yeah, I don't think there's one way better than the other. I just personally really love the amount of growth that I have been able to see with picking stocks individually. And that's something that I don't know that I could see with an index fund. Yeah, I think it just comes down to like what your level of access is, what your level of comfort is. Like you mentioned, we have to get to know ourselves as investors because that's a whole personality of ourselves that is separate from other things. So dabbling in different areas is and getting that experience is honestly how you figure out what works for you. So, okay. Now I have a question around 
paying off debt and investing. A lot of us are in debt when either student loan debt, mortgage debt, all the debts. And there's sort of a divided opinions on whether we should be investing while we're in debt or should we tackle that first and then start investing. What's your take on that? For me personally, I think you start investing. I really, truly do. I know, at least for myself, if I wouldn't have start, I wouldn't have started investing if I would have taken on that rule back in 2013. I would have tried to pay off debt. So I am on the side of you should definitely start investing and paying off debt. And part of the reason for that, I mean, which. I understand why there's a divide, but even before when I would hear like financial folks speak, they would say, you know, pay yourself first. To me, this is another pay yourself first, right? I mean, that's the way I understand it. That's the way I see it. And now before I was like, what do they mean pay yourself first? Like, you mean buy my shoes first <laughs> and then pay my bills? Like, I mean, that's how bad I was, you know? But now I understand pay yourself first, do that first. And for me, just basically like on a very simple reason why is because the rate of return on an investment for me in my experience has been much higher and I've been able to amass the money I need for a big loan from the stock market. So from the stock market gains without me having to lift a finger, I can use that money to then pay off the debt. Mm, yeah. Super powerful y'all. Okay. So a lot of us are also struggling with the real possibility that we have to support our older folks in our family, like at some point. And so there's a lot of this competing interest around our money. And there's a lot of overwhelm that's associated with that, right? Because it's like, okay, wait, so I got to save money to help my parents. I got to save money for retirement. I want to help my kids pay for college. Like too much is being asked of me. And that shit just makes me want to shut down and be like, well, I can't do anything for anybody. What is your advice for somebody who is feeling that level of pressure of having to support these multiple generations and then also somehow creating something for yourself in that process? Well, I think first of all, we really truly have to work on, you know, this is another form of guilt. We have to work on moving through that. But here's why I love this unlimited supply, this idea that we can depend on solely ourselves and we don't have to depend on anyone else. More so because we begin to emulate that behavior for our generation and the generations to come. We make ourselves self-sufficient so that the ones that come after us don't have to feel that burden. Is that going to be an easy burden to remove from ourselves? Hell no, absolutely not. And I think the beauty of tapping into your own personal ideas, your intellectual property, what you can create, what you can generate, I promise you that you have the capability to generate everything you need and what your direct immediate family may need, we have that capability. Don't add that pressure onto you though. Don't make that the reason that you try to create something. Create something out of your own personal genius and the rest of that will follow. I understand carrying that guilt. I just, as of January, I started paying for my mom's like really big insurance bill a month. Like I took on one of her biggest bills and it feels so good to be able to do that. For me, it feels good. And I want to create a space for myself where I can generate more money to do that. But I want to make myself self-sufficient so that my child, my children don't have to worry and carry that burden on for me. 
We have the power, y'all. We have the power to be multi-millionaires. And I'm going to declare billionaires. Fuck it. Yes. <laughs> I'm so here for it. And, you know, I think your advice is so, so sound because you're right. Like, it is a sense of guilt. It's this sense of, like, we have to figure everything out for everybody. And we really don't. Like, there's a certain pressure that we have to just take off of ourselves because none of this shit is going to happen overnight, right? Like, generational wealth is not built in a week. It's not built in a month. It's not built in a year. It's built over a lifetime. And once you get clear on that, you're not going to feel this overwhelming fucking pressure to like figure this shit out in, you know, two weeks. Cause it's, that's just not how it works. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I feel like with all the hype around investing and around stocks and crypto and all the things, People really out here getting mad when in two weeks they're not wealthy. It's like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> you just well, started. It's not how it works, okay? <laughs> and I think the most powerful thing that you can do that doesn't cost any money is transferring that knowledge, right? It's one thing to give like your kids money. It's another thing to help them become financially literate so that they can continue and exceed the things that you were able to accomplish. Because it's not just enough for us to become millionaires and then have kids that don't know what the hell they're doing with money. So it's more than just amassing that monetary number. It is about creating like an environment in your household, in your family that fosters these conversations, that is open and transparent around money, and that doesn't perpetuate this cycle of like trauma that so many of us are really actively trying to get out of. Yes. Amen. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about financial self-care. I love the concept of this, right? Like everybody's super into the self-care. We all want to do yoga and drink green smoothies, but like we need to also be very loving and compassionate towards our money. So for you, what does financial self-care look like? Like how does that manifest itself in your life? For me, it is being very clear. Top, 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 top is you have, for me personally, I have to be very clear and very intentional. So clear, it's not woohoo-y. It's very much looking at it directly in the face and being okay with wherever it is, at whatever stage it is. Uh, releasing that and being clear on where I want to be. Not being afraid to push a boundary, but also like not exaggerate where I don't believe it. So for me, top priority is clarity. And before, you know, I would speak a lot on spirituality. That was like, I would focus on that so much that I would mask my wanting to generate wealth with the word abundance. And abundance for me personally was not clear. It was my safe word for me not to be able to say, I want money. I want wealth. It was like, uh, I just want abundance. But what, did, what does that mean? You know, I can have abundance in frijoles or tortillas or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's like, no, I need dinero. I need cash. I need coin. I need, you know. So for me, that's the ultimate. That's like my holy grail self-care is to get very clear on where I'm at. Every single day I have a ritual. I open up every single one of my accounts. I check and see what was charged for the day before. And I look to see where I want to be in the next five months. And I have a number that I'm aiming for in a year. So for me, it's all about the clarity. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is so powerful. But and it sounds so simple. But honestly, I feel like that fear is what keeps people from really wanting to get clear on their money. Just like, I don't want to know what's happening with this. Because if I don't know, then it doesn't it's not really happening. It's like, no, the shit's still happening, y'all. It's just like you're not being proactive about actually fixing what the hell's happening. And that's not going to help anybody. And I think I've always had this issue with people who are like, oh, but don't check your investment accounts every day, because then you're going to subject yourself to like the stress. I'm just like, no, you got to get used to that shit because that's part of this, right? So ignoring what the fuck's happening in the market, that's dumb. You wouldn't do that with your bank accounts. Like, so why would you give people that advice? Like, I'm looking at that shit multiple times a day when the market opens around lunchtime and right when it's closing. And if that makes me a psycho, then I will embrace that shit because I know exactly what the fuck my money's doing every single day. Right? I'm like, refresh, refresh. I want to know. (laughs) Gotta know, y'all. All (laughs) All right. So what is your money mantra? I am an unlimited supply. I keep Mm. going. I keep driving back to that, but that's it. I am an unlimited supply. And I just feel like that just solidifies that what I need is within. And that's my thoughts. That's my energy. It's not necessarily money and externally. I try to remind myself that money doesn't make me, that I make the money. Oof, that is so damn powerful. I'm going to have to write that one down. That's going to be the one for this week. I love it, Linda. Okay. So what advice would you give to somebody who's ready to get control of their finances and start building wealth, but is just overwhelmed with where to start? I would say definitely find a teacher, find a mentor, find an educator. Here's the thing. You can definitely try and figure this out the long way. Uh, That's what I did. And I did good. That was great. It took me a long time, but I, I got to a place where I understood. Or you could take advantage of what so many creators that are creating content specifically for you, tailor made for you to get you on the fast track. Invest in your education. To me, that's the fastest, that's the easiest way. There's so much information out there, but if there's something that resonates with you, if there's an educator that resonates with you, align with that educator, invest into that educator. That's the key. Absolutely. So for folks that want to invest in you and work with you to learn more about money, what's the best place for us to do that? Where can we find you and what are you working on? Yeah. So I am over at In Lose We Trust. That is our community of investors. Uh, we're just like to support BIPOC community. And we have a course right now that is called Wealth Rules Everything Around Me. It's a 10 hour live crash course divided into two days where we go over the emotional components, the scarcity mindset and a step by step on how to stock pick. We also have a Patreon community that is only eight bucks a month. We push out about four pieces of content. We like to have experts on and we have a Discord community. So that's kind of what's going on right now. We're working on something for the coming up year, but it's not till 2022. So we got some ways to go. Very cool. And I was actually honored to be a part of uh, one of your guest speaker series on your Patreon community. You have some fabulous people in there. That was probably one of my favorite gigs so far. So thank you for the invitation. Definitely check that out and definitely follow in Lose We Trust because like if you want some no BS, this is what you need to do with your money without the fluff, just real 
education, like that's where you need to go. So Linda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your energy, your time, your knowledge. And yeah, I can't wait to see what you continue to manifest. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.